0: Welcome to the Money and Meaning Podcast. It's the podcast for CEOs who want a life full of money and meaning. I'm your host, Kenne Corder, National Certified Counselor, and the world's number one clinical hypnotherapist specializing in turning stress and anger into a life of meaning. I created a virtual experience that allows me to have private conversations with CEOs that are stressed because they're singularly focused on money, and what I've found In my clinical practice, is that if the CEO is stressed, the whole company is stressed. Am I right? But it doesn't have to be that way. And the CEO is stressed because society makes us believe the American dream is one thing. When it's just not true, it means different things to different people. And the truth is, the American dream is dead now anyway. Because all it ever did was force us to chase money and compete with others which left us stressed and unhappy. Nobody dreams of being stressed and unhappy. That's why I set out on a mission to guide my tribe on a transformational journey to make America meaningful again. So if finding meaning in life is a high priority for you right now, let's get into today's show. And we're back. It feels so good to be back after a long hiatus. You have no idea how hard a hiatus is for me, but it's needed and we have to do it. So welcome back, guys, to this edition of the Presidential Experience Podcast. I'm so ready to get back to our search for meaning over money project. Thank you for being here. As I explained in last episode, there are three levels to the search for meaning over money. survive strive and thrive. And we've been talking a lot about the thrive part of that. Many of our interviews are with CEOs who have gotten past the survive, gotten past the strive and are in the thrive level. However, I want to make sure we chronicle every level. So today we're going to talk to a CEO in the strive level of the search for meaning over money. This is a CEO conversation with Bobby Bluford. Bobby Bluford is a former collegiate football player from the University of California at Davis, where he majored in economics. He later earned an MBA from Santa Clara University, then spent a decade in corporate finance as a CFO, a chief financial officer for small companies in Silicon Valley in 2013. Coach Bobby left his desk and office to pursue his passion for helping people become healthier and more confident. Since 2003, he has trained thousands of people through his boot camps, sports trainings, and online workouts. Coach Bobby now travels as a motivational speaker, inspiring people to taste the greatness that is their God given right. So, guys, Please join me in welcoming our guest today, Bobby Blueford. Hey Bobby.
1: Hello. Thank you very much for having me, Kane. You're
0: welcome. Thanks for agreeing to do this. We are new friends. We just met recently and we have some things in common, some places that we have been, and now we get to hang out together.
1: Yes, yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Yeah.
0: So thank you for joining us today and as you may know, our first question is always, what is your Idea of prosperity.
1: The question is great, Kene, and it's 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 robust in that you know I'm going into my I'm finishing up my fifth decade of living, and I've I've like many people have chased this idea of of fulfillment my whole life. So prosperity in many people's minds is comes down to financial success. I don't see it that way. You know, I like to think of it the same way. Earl Nightingale talks about it in his books in that success is the progressive realization of a worthy ideal, right? Framing it in my own words, uh, I believe prosperity lives in the fact or the the embodiment of becoming what your soul says you should be, becoming mm-hmm. what your soul is meant to be. and then, And while using all of your achievements to help others now and into their own future. So, in, in my in my view, prosperity is is an an attachment and a connection with with who you're meant to be in the inside. Some of that is is financially connected, but more of it is figuring out what you're meant to do on this earth, and then spending every moment of your life chasing that ideal purpose.
0: Mm, Yeah. I was wondering, I was going to ask you that so that that person you were meant to be, is is that equivalent to your purpose in life?
1: Yes and no. So it's it's a, to me, it's funny because I, you know, I speak now and my, and my evolution, as you mentioned in my bio, I grew up, you know, wanted to play football at a high level. That didn't work out. Or, you know, I I went as far as I could. But God had other plans. I'm so glad
0: you shifted that language. Thank you.
1: Yeah, God had other plans (laughs) for me. My whole notion was always to be great. And and I had this vision of myself, even as a young child, a vision of myself communicating and teaching and inspiring people. When I was younger I thought I thought the avenue to that was going to be as a professional athlete. And I always saw myself as an athlete, using that platform to inspire people, especially young people. So even as a youth, I didn't see myself driving around fancy cars and and having nice houses and and lots of women Uh, as a byproduct of, of football. I saw what that could do for me in terms of helping people. And so when that journey came to an end, I wanted something else to to replace that, so I I immediately shifted my mindset to becoming a successful corporate person. Didn't mm-hmm. know what that meant, mm-hmm. uh, but I but I shifted my thought process to envisioning myself in boardrooms and on stages as a as a CEO or, or or chief financial officer. But in all of that was this idea that I had something inside of me that as i chased this greatness inside of me i knew i was going to always be at a point that was ahead of other people in their pursuit and i and and it was my obligation to use that to teach people so you know we all i think we all feel that can i think we all feel like like we have a uniqueness to us and 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 we should feel that way because we do and it's a matter of us figuring out what the combination of skills and talents that we have and how we're meant to use that to help others. So for me the meaning of of purpose and the meaning of prosperity and the meaning of of self achievement and self greatness has always been one big ball and it's a combination that we're all trying to figure out. And you know, I think in many ways that pursuit that hunt never ends, you know, and and, I, and I'm mm-hmm. hopeful it will never end. I'm, I'll die chasing that dream of being better every single day. But I tell kids that I speak to that when we're born, we have this this idea of what we're supposed to be, and it's it's always great. You know, kids don't dream of being a backup quarterback or a vice president or. <laughs> Or, you know, they don't dream of being the the you know, the maid to the queen. They dream of being the queen. <laughs> so and then life kind of beats that out of us. You know, we're told to be realistic. Mm-hmm. And once we realize and we kinda of get back to that, which I hope we all we all do at some point, it's a matter of hunting down that's why I prefer hunt to chase, hunting down what is rightfully ours. And that's okay. that that vision and that goal and that dream that God put into okay. us at birth that we lost. And now it's our job when we realized that to go hunt that and, and recapture it.
0: Mm, yeah. And I, I I didn't know if you were going to get back to the purpose. You're kind of like me in the sense that you'll go all the way around the corner to go next door because yeah. that's what I was like. Is he going to get back to purpose? And you did. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> yeah, I forgot what was that. What <laughs> <laughs> you did it. You wrapped her back around. And that's what, and that's, and I'm glad you did because I, I really did want you, you said what I was thinking, even though we hadn't discussed it. And we teach, you know, that there is no like one purpose. People stress themselves out trying to find this one purpose in life. And, and I love how your purpose was to like help people, like for kids to look up and say, oh, okay, this is something I could do. And whether that was football or whether that was corporate or whether that is what you're doing now and working in health and wellness. No matter what, the purpose itself is to be a shining example. And it might've might've felt like the purpose was to be a football player. No, the football player was the catalyst to the actual purpose. And then the CEO or the CFO was the catalyst to the actual purpose. So all along, the formula- doesn't matter as long as the end calculation is that you get to serve and help people and, and watch these kids have something to look up to. Am am I hearing you
1: right? That's right. And, and what I, so, you know, I've, I've been blessed with, you know, I I think we all focus on the parts of us that are not perfect.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Right. All of us do. I did a video. I'm, I'm, I'm doing videos often. I do videos often motivational on my, social media platforms on and so forth. And I did a video where I outlined how we think as people. And we always have, we'll have these, these 25 or 30 things about us that are so awesome, right? I'm creative, <laughs> you know, I'm kind, I'm hardworking, you know, I learn pretty quickly, whatever those are. And then we'll have like one or two things that we have, that are, that are, are not perfect. And, and they'll be huge. So on this video, I like both the two things that, I'm, that, that haunt me. Uh, one of which is I grew up with a stutter and it, it'll be huge. And then we'll have mm. all these other things and they'll be like in tiny print. <laughs> right. <laughs> so we, so, and, and our brains dwell on these negatives. And yeah, what's crazy is, is we don't realize that everybody has those. Mm -hmm. Everybody has the same two lists, the same list of one or two things that they hate about themselves and the 20 things that are awesome. And so people, we have to we have to work on that every day. We have to wake up and, you know, through, you know, and this is your field of study and your field, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but through, you know, affirmations and neuroscience and, and actively working on those thought processes. We have to change that how we think. And that's hard to do. Uh, yeah, or, by yourself. Exactly, it's work. Yeah. It's work, mm-hmm. and yeah. And, and so back to your point in terms of you know not knowing where you're going, but embracing every part of it. And I think one thing that that people get caught up on and mistake is that, like you just said, you don't always like. I wish we could have a, a an A letter sent to us from God that told us exactly what our purpose was. Right? But we don't. We have to to walk and figure it out with Him. And but the key, and I did a poem about it, you know, I wrote a poem about it. I call it Honoring the Hours. And one day I was just laying in bed and I thought about it. And I said, you know, people look at me, and I framed it in fitness, but everything I do, I frame in one thing, but I, I quickly tell people how it's the same principles mm-hmm. for everything else in my life. Because I believe that. I think there's, yeah. you know, there's like seven or eight principles that govern everything.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I told him, I said, the reason I'm fit is very simple. You know, I'm 48 and, you know, I've been doing this for 30 years. And I said, everybody, everybody, and, and this goes back to what you're talking about. Everybody wants the honors. Right. And the honors can be whatever you want to have or be. You know, that's the money. That's the cars. That's the titles. That's the corner office. That's all that stuff that we want. That's the honors. Everybody wants that. Everybody. If you ask anybody, what do you want? They can tell you tangibly what they want. That's the honors. Right. Some people. A subset of of that group understands that it takes some work to get there. Mm-hmm. Right, that's called the hours, right? And we have these cool, fancy names, you know. Honor, you know these hashtags. Honor the process, you know. Hashtag grind. Hashtag, you know, on the grind. Whatever it is.
0: Oh yeah, hustle. So, so sweet, yeah. hashtag
1: hustle. That's exactly. All the
0: stuff we so we they do have
1: here at residential lifestyle. Right. So they have these. They have these cute phrases mm-hmm. to define or name the hours, right? But the secret. Kene, the secret is that you have to honor the hours to the honors,
2: mm-hmm,
1: right? Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. people miss that. So you have to. So it's not just about being in the, in the library. It's not just about sitting down with your daughter and sitting through a movie that she wants to watch. It's just not. It's not <laughs> just about you know calling your friend and not really paying attention. It's not just about <laughs> you know being in the weight room and not and, and now, it's about whatever season you're in, whatever part of your life you're in. You have to honor that. Yeah. You have to be committed to that moment, to that thing, even if you're not sure that's what you're supposed to be doing.
2: Mm-hmm. Because
1: only by doing that can you take away from that moment, from that season, what's needed for the next season. Right. So, not, so I ended up not being a football player. I ended up not being a CFO for more than a decade. But had I not honored those moments, those seasons, I would not be where I am today because I wouldn't have learned the lessons I needed to learn in those seasons. So I honored all 13 years of football as if I was going to be in the NFL. And then I honored all 10 years of, as a CFO as if that was my end result, my end journey. Yeah. Retirement. Right? Because of that, now I'm here and all those lessons and tools that I learned from that, I bring forth to a podcast or to a speaking engagement or to a book or whatever I'm doing next. But you have to be in the moment and, and honor where you are so that down the road all the, all the stuff you've gained, you can use. And everybody, they want to, they want to bypass all these exits and just get to where they want to be at. And that's not how it works.
0: Yeah. It's a journey. And so then speaking of that journey, so as we chronicle this search for meaning over money, as I said earlier, some of it is, is the strive, you know, you're striving to get there. Thrive is where we all, you talked about the honors and that's what we call the thrive. You thrive, you got it now, you're there, the the awards, the accolades, the the corner office, whatever it might be for you but the strive part is the part, the hours, the strive part is the part that we don't talk about enough. We don't chronicle enough of that. And we've had CEOs on the show talking about their strive after they've already gotten into thrive, but But, you and I are in the midst of our strive. We're building out, we're building to our thrive. And so I want to talk, more about the thrive and the mindset we, you and I, and people like us have to maintain in order to even get to the thrive. Right. So let me ask you about because it was something you said earlier that I know makes the strive part a lot harder. And you talked about seeing other people's talents. That wasn't your words, my words. You saw you see other people's talents and you see your own faults, right? You right. see everybody else's right. 25 good things That's and you right. see your own two bad things. That's and right. instead of shifting that, so I'm going to focus on these 25 things I'm good at and I'm going to use these strengths to overcome those challenges. And while I'm doing that, I am also going to look at somebody, you can still look at somebody's talents, but you got to see yours too, because we're in that comparison. So that brings me to asking you, when you're in this drive, how do you keep from comparing yourself to CEOs that are in their thrive? Right. How do you do that?
1: That's a great question. So there's two pieces, one of which is probably more impertinent. And I, and to be honest, before I even say this, I haven't conquered it yet. Yeah. You know? so people mm-hmm. always say, well, how do you get over not being motivated? I, I don't always get over it. Because <laughs> exactly. I lose that battle sometimes, right? Yeah, yeah. But there's this thing in baseball called the fallacy of the predetermined outcome. And I always stutter saying that, so I apologize. Fallacy of the predetermined outcome, and basically really quickly what it says is if a person if a, if a, a runner's on first base, he tries to steal second and gets thrown out.- mm-hmm. The very next pitch, if the person batting hits a home run, the layman would say that had the person on first base not tried to steal second, then it would be a two run home run
2: mm-hmm.
1: instead of a one- run home run. Mm-hmm. Right, The truth of that story is that everything changes, right? So you can't assume that the pitcher right. would throw the same pitch if the person was on first base still. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So reframing that in this context is I've always lamented at the fact that I wish I had spoken better growing up. And to this mm-hmm. day, I, feel, I still, man, I wish I could speak like him or wish I could you know, be articulate like this person. And the truth of the matter is, if I if I grew up speaking better or had more confidence speaking better, I wouldn't have been as funny probably. Right. Or I wouldn't right. have written as well. Or right. I wouldn't have worked out as hard. So to assume that everything else would line up in our lives if this one thing were changed is a fallacy.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Right? And so mm-hmm. we have to accept that that these other things that are great that we, that we consider good parts of us are there many times in large part because of the things that we don't think we're good at. Yeah. So I've learned to kind of, you know, get more quickly back to that realization that I write pretty well because when I was growing up, I kind of thought I had to write pretty well mm. to communicate. I'm kind of funny and, and charismatic kind of because I, I thought, because of my stutter, I had to be charismatic and funny, right? I'm yeah. I'm pretty buff at 48, but I kind of got there because I was offsetting some of that. So I had to had to accept that, you know. I can't assume that had I spoken perfectly, that all these other things that are great about me would have been there. Wow. So that allowed me to kind of, you know, accept that it's the whole package for all of us that makes mm-hmm. the package right. Yeah, um, well, and it, and it sounds
0: me. like. It's a formula and a harmony at calculation, right? And so because of this amount of this, we call it harmony in presidential lifestyle because, you know, it's like a recipe this you add this amount of this you add this amount of that and if the recipe changes like if you didn't have that speech challenge that changes the recipe so then some that it means that every other formula every other part of the formula changes that's it's like correct. chemistry and so if you put in a different amount you're going to get out a different result or whatever yes. yeah
1: i love the mm-hmm. harmony okay i love that yeah that's what it yeah. is because it because you can't change one member of the orchestra. Right. And assume it sounds the same. <laughs> yes.
0: Yeah, you get me. You feel me. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, and that, I that, do want to thank you for using a baseball analogy because that is one of the sports that I do love. I'm not that big on football. So exactly. I thought you were going to exactly. use a football analogy
1: since that's where you came from. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad. Uh, <laughs> and the other piece to that uh, is that, you know, so I told you I had two, two ways of, of, of kind of dealing yes. with that. The other part I always say to people is that, you know, the the view from the top of the mountain only looks great if you climb it.
2: <laughs>
1: and I use I, I usually use more more frank words when I say it to my class. But when you when you're in the middle of the of the climb, and it seems hard, or you wish you had a better you know tool to climb, or you wish you had better footing. Like this person next to you, but it's only like the view from that mountaintop is not the same if you get a helicopter up there. I mm-hmm. promise you, it's the same exact look and and sight, but the view ain't the same unless you climb it, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, right? So mm-hmm. when you're in the middle of these of these strive right, and you're going mm-hmm. through the process, and you, and everything seems like it's against you, part of what I try to You know, think about is that this is what's going to separate me from the rest. I'm willing to go through this pain, and the journey is wanted and great because of the challenge. Like, I want to be great because it's hard, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, if a Lamborghini was a Volkswagen Jetta, which I used to drive, you wouldn't want it as bad. (laughs) But the reason you want it is because it's hard to get. Yeah. When you're in the middle of that workout or of that study session or that, that 60-hour work week for the 10th week in a row, you have to tell yourself, this is why I want it because not everybody can do this and not everybody can have this.
2: Mm, yeah. And that kind of yeah. keeps
1: me going because I know that I want to be elite in life. I want to be, be able to come back and tell other people that they can do it. And I can't do that unless I go through what most people won't go through.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I do want to point out for those of you who do take the helicopter to the (laughs) top of the mountain, that view is okay. That's your version of the view, but it is a different view. So I love the way that you, you stated that because it's not to say that you won't have a view at the top of the mountain. If you just take the helicopter, it's just saying that you'll have a different view. And if this is the view you want, then you've got to climb that mountain to see the way that you thrive from those eyes—the eyes that climb the mountain, right. looking back over the view—are different eyes than the eyes that got dropped off on the That's top right. of the mountain It right. didn't do the climb. And some people do. You know, we talk right now. We're talking a lot about white privilege. Right. And, and some people do have that privilege that they just get dropped off at the top of the mountain. Now, the thing is, if they have to ever climb it, that's going to be tough for them. They're going to have that same experience you just had because they never had to do that climb before. And so they are more afraid of getting pushed off that mountain. Uh-huh. You hear me? Yes. Wow, I like so, that. Like they that. are more afraid of getting pushed off that mountain. So the way that they work and the way that they handle life is different because if they get pushed off the mountain, they do not know how to climb back up. They don't have right. the tools, even though you might not have had the perfect tool or the, the sharpest tool, you had a tool. They don't right. even have the tools. They didn't even build the calluses climbing up. So they can't do that climb back up. Right. They feel like if they fall off the top of the mountain, it's done for them. That's if right. you, who one who has climbed, if you fall off the top of the mountain. You know your way back up. And in fact, the second time is easier than the first time.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. And I'll That's go, I'll go over a... one one small step forward. You know, I Take talk to, me. to schools about this all the time, you know, and they talk about, you know, the, the depression rate of young people is going up. You know, I, I've talked to, I've talked to too many kids at my son's school, my daughter's school. You know, they've asked me to like, you know, text a few of their friends who have you know talked about suicide
2: mm-hmm. and these are,
1: these are these are junior high kids and you know studies show that the rate of depression and suicide you know attempts is going up and so i've talked to a few schools about that and and what and what i tell teachers and parents is that part of the issue and barrier we're presenting to these to our children and i have two i have two teenage children is that we don't let them figure out their confidence. We don't let them figure out who they are.
2: Mm-hmm. right?
1: So I think I, I, I heard of either it's a, it was a speaker, I think it was a, a spiritual speaker. And he said, it's not our job to prepare the path for our kids. It's our job to prepare our kids for the path. And because we don't let our kids fail, we don't let them fall down. We don't let them get benched. We don't let them get D's we're always trying to come to their protection <laughs> and their aid. We climb the mountain for them. And so when they get to a point up the mountain, they have no idea how they got there and they don't know who they are. And so part mm-hmm. of your confidence is built from that. Part of your, and, and like you said, part of who you become, part of your brand, if you will, is carved out and is fortified from the climb. And so if you bypass some of that or you get too much aid in some of that, when you get to the, whatever point you, you, you get to, you don't know who you are. And so that confidence that you should have because you've kind of gone through this thing, you don't have it. I mean, all mm-hmm. animals, animals, lion, cubs, their their parents make them survive. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, let go of me. Let go of me. Oh <laughs> right? And so we're the only animal in the, in the whole animal kingdom that doesn't let our kids fall mm-hmm. anymore. We used to but we don't, we don't do it anymore. And I think confidence is born from that. It's born from the fact that you survived this and I survived that and you survived this and you survived that. Now, when you're 14, 16, 20, 25, you kind of know who you are,
2: mm-hmm.
1: right? So if, if we don't let our kids and ourselves do that and it's painful, I get it. It's painful. It doesn't feel good. Right. Well, we have to do it.
0: The Beatles said, money can't buy me love. But guess what? We are all using money to get love. It's true. I'll tell you why I know. I've learned in my almost 20 years of working in the financial and mental health industries that money and love go together, whether we want it to or not. All of our actions are based on doing what we think will get us the maximum amount of love. Now, later in life, we begin to use money to get that love. From the time we are children, we set in motion a plan to get our parents' love, then our friends' love, next, our partners' love, and so on, and so on, and so on. So you see, around age 14, we make a final decision on how we will handle money, and it just so happens that at that same time, we are making a decision on how we'll handle love. You might decide to be a saver. You might decide to be a spender. You may even decide to be a hero or an enthusiast. Wondering what those two are? Take the money mentality quiz. It will reveal how you use money to get love. You don't have to believe me. See it for yourself. Take the money mentality quiz. Go to presidentiallifestyle.com quiz and see for yourself. It's free and it only takes like two minutes. The great thing is you'll walk away not only knowing your money mentality or money personality, but you'll also know your money strengths and challenges so you can do something about them. So go ahead, take the quiz, but don't stop there. At the end, remember, give me your email address, your best email address, so I can give you some guidance to get enough love and money in your life to make it full of meaning. Go to presidentiallifestyle.com slash quiz. The link is in the show notes. Now, let's get back to today's show. Yeah, I talk about a lot on the show. My daughter is one of those that she has to learn her own lessons, and I wasn't one of those kids. I was like, "Tell me what to do. Give me the exact blueprint. I will follow it to a T. I do not want to mess up. Like I had to do it without any falls, without any hurt. My daughter's like, "Nope, I'll fall. I'll hurt. I'll I'll hit my head. Like she don't even care. But what I, what I love about her, and I say this a lot, she'll come back and she'll learn from her own thing, and she'll give you the credit. She'll be like." you know what, Bobby, you was right. I probably should have just listened to what you said, but I didn't. And now I know even better. <laughs> right.
2: Right. Yeah.
0: And I love that about her. It was hard though. It was really hard going through that with her, but let me tell you what it did. It prepared me as a therapist. It made right. me a much better therapist because that control had to go away. And I teach, a right. you, you know, I teach control the controllable. That's our flagship course. And I should say our flagship conversation and what I learned mostly I learned that from raising my daughter because she does not want it. She does not want any of your she don't want you to prepare the path for her. Right. She, she <laughs> definitely she just definitely wants to walk that path herself. And it's beautiful to watch in one sense, but like you said, it's so painful. It's like it is. Oh, oh I could just make this so much easier for you, it daughter. Is. Right. <laughs>
1: It's hard to watch as a parent. It's hard to let them fall.
0: Yeah. I want to go back to what you said about teenagers, because as a therapist, one thing that I've studied now, I became a therapist years and years and years and years and years ago when I was 13 years old, a girl committed suicide in my, she was in my circle. She wasn't, she didn't go to my school, but she went to a, a friend of mine's school. And so in my brain, I was like, I do not understand why a 13 year old would be that depressed. Like why would a 13 year old want to kill herself? And she didn't leave a letter. So we don't even really know. Wow. And so my thing was I'm gonna find this out. Like I'm gonna find this out. Now I got distracted along the way and I did other things and it took me to 40 years old to become a therapist, but I got here, you know, as we talk about the journey is striving. <laughs> so but what I noticed as I and I work a lot with teenagers and I love this population, what I noticed is that Teenagers have been depressed for many, many years. As I work with my adults and they tell me what their teenage years are like and I try to remind them what their children are going through as teenagers now. The difference is, the reason why the rate of depression Appears to be higher is because we're calculating it now. We're counting oh. it. We're paying attention to it. Now we're saying, oh, wait, what's going on with our teenagers? But it was already there. The only reason we now know that the depression rate is so high is because they are taking the next step and harming themselves. They are oh, trying okay. to kill themselves. Right. Right. If they weren't doing that, then we wouldn't be able to count the numbers and we just ignore them. Here's the thing it all goes back to trauma. We're not calculating the trauma in our lives. We are ignoring it because of this whole hard work idea. And the strive says, it feels like when I say strive that I mean work hard, but that is not exactly what I mean. I work, I mean, work well, I mean, put effort in, but not work hard. And so because we have this whole work hard mentality, we have taught children teenagers that this is just life, like life is hard and then you die. You know, we say stuff like that, but we teach our children that this is a part of life, like work hard, work hard, work hard. So they're depressed because they're like, well, why am I feeling like this when my parents have told me that work hard is the key to success? But is it though? Because you can work hard and still get there wherever it is you get and not love it. And so our teenagers are confused because they're like, working hard doesn't really look that great. I'm looking at my parents and it looked like it sucks. And then I'm also looking at my dad go through a midlife crisis. I'm looking at my mom go maybe through her midlife crisis or whatever she's going through. And I don't want to experience that. And. They keep telling me I'm supposed to do this thing that they're doing, and I know it's not right. Meanwhile, in school, I'm trying to make sure I look good and, you know, that some little boy likes me or some little girl likes me. And then all the friends like me. And then I'm listening to all the voices outside of me, my parents' voice, my friend's voice, the teacher's voice. I cannot hear my own voice. And because I can't hear my own voice, it pushes me down and two, depression. Now this happens oh. as adults as well, but it starts at teenage years. Right. And then we get taught to cope with it, deal with it. Life is hard. So what you can't hear your own voice. You're not supposed to listen to yourself anyway. You're supposed right. to listen to society. We told you what to do. Just like wrapping it back around. See, you think I, I can do this just like you. Wrapping it back around. Just like you said before, we're not supposed to be preparing the path. We're supposed to be preparing our children and we haven't been doing that because society created this cookie cutter way of life. So and That's like so you true. and I, we got to a point where we were like F that <laughs> we're doing that no more. And this is what we're doing now. We're going towards meaning and the American dream is dead. I'm going towards meaning. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And what's great about that is that, you know, you mentioned it, I think, but you know, we don't, As parents and as leaders, whether you're a teacher, coach, boss, whatever, and I I try to to offset this by being cognizant of it, but we don't honor or encourage the journey and the process. Like we're all about results, right? So when kids and and adults, when we see that all you care about is the result of my actions, then I'm less likely to try new things or less Mm -hmm. likely to enjoy studying or working. And so I try to make sure that I acknowledge, like on my, on my social media, you, you you very seldom will see me post anything about my kids' accomplishments. Like mm. you know, my son got all A's, my daughter won, but you will always see me post a quick video of them studying or working out or drawing
2: mm. because I
1: want, I want them to understand that, that I'm about appreciating the process of things, figuring out figuring out how good you can be at hunting your greatness. you know? yeah. And if you do that in life, if you do that in life, the results, number one, will take care of itself.
2: Mm-hmm. And,
1: and number two, the results won't matter. Because if you're a B student and you give me a B, I'm going to be happy. right? If you're a B mm-hmm. student, that, that's mm-hmm. who you are at your core. Yeah. But if you're an A student and you give me a B plus, I'm going to be mad. Mm-hmm. right? Because, mm-hmm. because I care more about, you do your best. about, about what you're doing with, what you, with who you are. Right, right, exactly. So if you're if you're tapping into who you are and you're enjoying that part of it, then we can all appreciate that. And I think as a society, we too often focus on how many how much weight you lost, you know, what grade did you get? How many points did you score? Yep. How much money do you make? And everybody is kind of geared toward that. And you see it on social media. So when kids see that, you know, they're they're less willing to share anything that is not perfect and they're less willing to appreciate a journey that they're not sure will end with success. Yep. Which is the wrong approach.
0: Exactly, cuz success is in the doing, you know, it's the being. Exactly. You know, you're you're in it, you're doing it. Right. I remember years and years ago when I was in my 20s and I moved to New York and I was ready to move back. And so this guy that I was talking to, he said, "Man, I can't believe you're moving back. You know, what are you going to say when people say you failed. You moved to New York and now you have to move back." I was like, "I didn't fail. I moved to New York. <laughs> I know, right? I like, D- completed <laughs> it the first day I got here. What are you talking about? I've been here a year now. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm more than completed it. I excelled at this. I've been here thir- three hundred and sixty five yeah. days. What are you it's talking like, it's about? Like, it's an envelope addressed to me, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And so, and and he was an older guy. He was probably about ten or twelve years older than me at the time. And he was in his thirties, and I was in my twenties. And he was like oh, I never thought about it like that. And I'm like, yeah, you should start thinking about it like that because it can't be about the you know like the top of the mountain or whatever it can't really be about that as much as it's about all the way on the way i studied like you said all along the way i did my workout along the way i did my my meditation along the way whatever it is all of that daily routine cuz that's what's going to make it no matter freaking what whether you're a football player a cfo you know or a wellness coach no matter freaking what that routine is what's going to get you to all the different mountaintops
1: that's right. And you control that. And back to what, you know, I have a similar word to yours. I call it controller goals. So okay, you have goals. So you have these goals, right? We all have goals. I want to, I want to be, you know, 30 pounds lighter. I want to play, my my son wants to play football at Oregon, you know, and usually these goals are lofty and they should be because they pull mm-hmm. us, they, you mm-hmm. know, they, they, they have gravity, they pull us toward it. But, but you can't control that in this moment. You can't control 20 pounds lost in this moment. You can't control being a millionaire in this moment. So you have to break those down. And I don't, I don't care how you name them, you know, mm-hmm, task mm-hmm. or whatever. But you have to figure out what can I control?
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I can
1: control getting up four days a week. I can control studying for an hour a day. I can, I can control whatever it is. I can control, you know, reaching out to podcasts, you know, hosters and doing one one a month. Because that gives you control of what of of the steps to your goal, mm-hmm. and if you do those things, then hopefully the dream will come true, but you can't control the dream from here, right, right, so I call them, "That's your goal, I get it, but what are the controller goals what what parts of that piece of that pie can you be accountable to you for because yeah. because if you don't do that, then you'll ultimately make excuses and say, "Well, this got in the way." You know all the things that that you don't control, you allow those to be excused. So I say, you know, let's bypass that. Let's figure out what parts of that journey can you control. What does it take to lose twenty pounds? What are the steps? And let's do those things, right? right. And that brings it back to reality. But it's it's kind of like how you think about things. It's just a way of controlling what what's in your space and what yep. you can do today.
0: Absolutely. Now before we end, I want to ask you two more questions, and I'm going to shift a little bit. But I I love that you know, we have the similar control of controllable or control of goals. What do you control? And that brings me to these challenges. So as we strive, you and I and many people in our same place. As we strive for this search for meaning over money, we had to make a shift somewhere. And that shift came with a certain amount of kind of like a crash. You know, I like to say like for you left your desk and office, like you said, or like I said, in your bio. For me, I left a, what looks like a very prestigious job as a financial advisor, but I didn't love it. And so a crash came. So what happens during that crash? Or we can get specific to you. What happened during your crash? What was that catalyst to change for you?
1: That's a great question. So for me, it was two things. The one was, was really easy. I didn't dream of having money. That wasn't my dream when I was eight. My dream was to be impacting people. And even though, you know, as, as a CFO, I, you know, I, we had board meetings. and I would sit in a conference room and there would be, you know, 10 people in the room and, and I would talk to the employees. But it wasn't what I envisioned. You know, I envisioned impacting the world. And I knew if I, if I went to my coffin, not having done that, I wouldn't feel fulfilled, no matter how, how expensive the coffin was. And then number two, I think one of the things that we should all think about, a lot of this stuff is in our gut and we know it and we we try to hide from it, but it's in our gut. And I say, if we all lived our lives to make the ones closest to us proud, what will we do? And when I framed it that way, and at the time my son was four, I believe, my daughter was seven. I said, if I died in 10 years from then, which is about now, what could I do to make them proud of me? And it wasn't money. It wasn't money. Because the kids don't give a dang about
2: money. Mm-hmm.
1: Right? They like stuff that you give them, but they're not walking around saying I'm proud that my daddy bought me this new pair of Jordans. Right? And so and it's a question that your gut and soul has to answer for you. Yep. But I promise you, if if the person that I'm talking to or who hears this Sits down and really thinks about it. It ain't about the vacation you bought them. It ain't about the 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 car you gave her. Because if you say, if somebody asked her, why are you proud of your dad? I promise you it won't be because he buys me stuff.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So mm-hmm. If, if you can't answer that question about people who love you, like your children, your spouse, your good friends, then you're not doing what you should be doing. Now, it might mm-hmm. still include making money. Right. But you have to find a supplement to that. Because... At the end of the day, you know, and I, and I always say, you know, we all have five or 10 people in our lives that impact us. Let's say it's 10. In our whole 75, 80 years of living, there are 10 people in our lives that, that shift our, our trajectory, hopefully in the right direction. It could be a janitor. It could be a teacher. It could be, hopefully, you know, two of those are your, are your parents, but it could be anybody, and so, for my my dream of, of um, my vision for me is when I die, I want to be one of those ten people for as many people as possible. Mm, I like that. And Thanks. people have to live their life like that. So again, if you answer those two questions, you know how how can I make my people around me love me, and how can I be one of those ten people that impacted people for as many people as possible. And if you answer those honestly to yourself, I promise you, it will have nothing to do with money. Yeah. And that's just kind of how, mm-hmm. so that, that's that's kind of how I, when I crashed, that's what I asked myself. Those two questions. And neither of those answers contain a title that says CFO in it.
0: Right. Yeah. Good point. So, before I ask you our last question, moving from there, so you strive, you survive through that catalyst and you find this new shift and this new version of success. But with that comes certain challenges and barriers. You know, I know for me, the biggest challenge right now that I'm experiencing is building the proper team. To to grow this company, what would you say is a challenge that you are experiencing ju- during this strive part of this search for meaning over money?
1: It's easy. It's self limiting beliefs. Okay, I mean, it's very simple for me. It's very simple because we get you know the older you get, you know that tape recorder in our head gets more and more fortified, right? So mm-hmm. you know you have to actively work on the barriers that prevent you from walking into your purpose and you know, the older you get and the the more removed you are from your true essence as a, as a human, the harder it is. So that's easily my biggest barrier is figuring out how to get these, you know, thoughts about why I can't be what I want to be out of my head, you know, because there's no, because mm-hmm. you put yourself in a box and CFO was an easy box. Football was an easy box. But it's a box I wasn't meant to be in. And
2: mm-hmm. so now
1: that I'm trying to get into my correct box that God made for me, I'm still inclined to keep a leg in the other comfortable boxes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And yeah. he's like, get that leg out of there. Come on, I need your yeah. whole body in here.
2: <laughs> uh,
1: so it's uh you know, and I think many people go through that. They want they, they feel the, the the need to do something, you know, maybe start a nonprofit or or volunteer or something or write a book. And they just, this voice tells them, you know, that they shouldn't do it or can't do it. And I think that's a barrier that many people face. Yeah.
0: I like that. So I said, I had one more question, but I need to add a question before I ask you our last very important question. And the question that came up for me while you were talking was what have you sacrificed on this journey? You know, what have you sacrificed to get to the thrive Or another way to say that is like, what have you had to, because of your priorities, you know, you prioritize, what have you left behind, you know, basically?
1: No, that's a great question. So, this, again, it's pretty easy for me. So, I watched that docu series with Michael Jordan and the Bulls. Uh huh. And in it, he said a quote, he said, There's a cost for leadership, or something like that. There's a cost to leadership. And for me, you know my wife and kids. You know they could have had more vacations. They could have had more,
2: mm.
1: more fun. But you know I tell my wife and my kids I didn't come to Earth to have fun. I think none of us did. I mean I don't think about. If you think oh, that I don't thing, know about know. that. Oh, well, okay, <laughs> I mean, we, we can discuss it. But let me reframe before I get in trouble. Yeah. You know I just, I, you know I just don't think of. Well, maybe this is a reframing of what you think fun is. Yes. What think, yes. What we think fun is. There you go. But, you know, so I don't drink and party. I don't, I mean, I, I was younger at once, but I ne- I've never been drunk. I've never, but I just think that when you think of Martin Luther King and, and Bill Gates and, and Albert Einstein, I don't really envision them spending a lot of time on weekends, hanging out and, and just passing, passing the hours. You know, we all get 168 hours a week and time is limited. And I just feel like, the question was framed in terms of what did i sacrifice so i'm already admitting that the mindset is not necessarily the correct one but i do know that my desire to tap into every part of me that's that's great has come with some costs mm-hmm. my desire to make sure my kids see a role model of what they can be you know overcoming my fears has meant that i've had to you know bypass some things that many people would see as pleasurable so that's been the cost. The cost has been, I haven't been able to do as much of the quote unquote fun stuff that my wife and kids and friends would have liked.
0: So really what I hear you saying is you haven't been able to follow the societal norms. Really you had to sacrifice the societal norms, which I love hearing that because that's what presidential lifestyle is all about. That's
1: perfect, that's what it is. I like the way you put it. That's perfect. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's, that's exactly what it is.
0: Yeah. So Okay, so our last question, one of my faves, is what is the best advice you ever received or the advice you wish somebody would have told you?
1: The best I actually learned this I've kinda of knew it. So I've learned it before, but it's been really fortified recently. But you know, the most important skill in life is connection with mm-hmm. people. You know, and people think it's knowledge and a particular skill set, but the ability to connect to people. And then right behind that or 1B is the ability to tell your story Mm. and lead people through that. Because when people see vulnerability in you, that creates an inherent connection with people. And then that enables you to be successful in whatever you do, whether you're a coach, a player, a leader, an employee, the relationships you develop through connection. And the ability to tell your story and share with people who you really are and be vulnerable, I think, is the most important skill we can have as people.
0: Yes, good one. And on that note, can you please tell the people how they can connect with you, how they can keep hearing more about you? And, you know, you talked about that connection. I think you do that really well. And so I think people are going to want to connect with you. So how can they do that?
1: Yeah. So easy on social media at coach Bobby Bluford at coach Bobby would probably work, but at coach Bobby Bluford, B-L-U-F-O-R-D. And then my website is coachbobbybluford.com.
0: All right. Well, thank you for spending some time with us. And as we chronicle this search for meaning over money, I appreciate you and we will have a little something for you. So we'll be sending you out a gift because we know that your time is valuable and we always want you to remember that we value you and your time and your story. So thank you for being here with us.
1: Thank you, Kanae. Have a blessed day.
0: You too. And thank you guys for staying all the way to the end. You are amazing. And you could have been anywhere else in the world, but you were here with me and Coach Bobby. And for that reason, we want to, congratulate you, you know, keep doing what you're doing. You're learning, you're growing. So as you grow with the flow, we grow with you. I appreciate you guys. I love you. And I will see you next week. Hey, before you go, I'm wondering, are you a CEO who is starting to feel like it's time to manage your stress rather than just tolerate it? Have you gotten to a point where you'd rather be appreciated for who you are rather than what you've done according to society's rules. Would you like to enjoy your success with less stress? If this sounds like you and you're interested in seeing if you're a good fit for working with me and my team over here at presidential lifestyle, then here's what I'd like you to do. I invite you to head on over to presidentiallifestyle.com and book a private conversation with me. It's not free. My time is valuable. Just as valuable as yours is. And for that reason, I'm going to pour into you for about 45 to 60 minutes. You pay a small fee in exchange for a lot of love so we can get to the bottom of what's stressing you out right now. I'll listen to your goals, accomplishments, and even your challenges. And I'll tell you more about me and my process too. You'll get to ask me questions and i'll give you a few tips and resources that you can start using immediately to reduce your stress it'll be worth your time and your money i promise you that at the end of our call if we believe that we can work together successfully i'll share with you the fastest way to get to where you want to be using my program at presidential lifestyle we help ceos all over the world navigate through stress and turn their money into meaning. To see if we can help you do that same thing, head on over to presidentiallifestyle.com or simply click the link in the show notes. All right, go now. I'll see you there. Talk to you sooner. Thanks for listening all the way to the end, my prosperity pro. I want to stay connected with you. Here are four ways. Pick the one that works best for you if you want to stay connected with me. One. If you have any questions, I'd love to answer them. Send them to podcast at presidentiallifestyle.com. I'd love it if you would make a one or two minute audio message and attach it to an email. That'd be the easiest way for me to get it. Ask me anything about creating a life of meaning over money and I'll get you an answer. Remember, the email address is podcast at presidentiallifestyle.com. Two, subscribe to this podcast and share it with your friends because you guys might want to have a discussion about it, especially if they're a CEO who wants to shift from the old American dream to a life of meaning. Three, we try not to have any sponsors on this show unless they are truly in line with our values. I mean, really a good fit. So that means we fund this podcast ourselves. I'd like you to take a look at our resource page to see if there's any products or services that we recommend that are right for you. If not, no worries, maybe later. If so, please use our affiliate link to purchase. Thank you in advance for doing that. You are such an amazing person. Okay, four and last, If you want to know what's happening over here at Presidential Lifestyle, And you want us to email you the update, then go to presidentiallifestyle.com slash blog slash now, and you'll see the current updated blog for the week, but you'll also see a link to subscribe to that blog. We can email it to you if you like. That's presidentiallifestyle.com slash blog slash now. Don't worry. You don't have to remember that link or any links. They're all in the show notes. Oh, and I forgot to say, if you're enjoying this podcast, go ahead and leave us a review and tell us how much you're enjoying it. And now for the legal ease. This podcast is not to replace professional counsel. The best advice is from a professional who knows you and your specific situation. The topics discussed in this podcast are general in nature and for informational or entertainment purposes only. We encourage you to meet with a professional that you can discuss your specific situation with. Whether you choose us or someone else, one-on-one counsel is important, whether it's a financial, therapeutic, legal, or other decision. So that's all for now. I'll see you next episode. And remember, you can have wealth in all of its forms. Believe it and you'll soon see.